0: Eleven. I'm so scatterbrained this week. Oh hey, hey, Midnight Corey. Hey, another week. Another podcast. Thanks for listening. My name is Corey. <laughs> so here we go. i got to tell you um, that this week I'm a little distracted. Uh, I uh, This might be coming out a little bit late, and I apologize, but I was distracted by really, really cool stuff. If you've been following my stupid Twitter posts and everything, you'll know that I bought a new video camera this week. It's uh, professional quality. It's an AGHMC40 by panasonic it's uh, pfft, beautiful full hd tapeless oh it is a wonder to behold <laughs> but so i got this thing i've been playing with it and right now the battery's charging so i'm trying to do the podcast while the battery charges <laughs> and because uh, as soon as the battery's full i'm going outside with the camera and then i won't podcast no more <laughs> at least today so this might be a little late this week i apologize. Like I said, I'm scatterbrained, a little, uh, little bit distracted, but what can you do? Um, first thing, now this is a hugely important deal right here on a, on a very serious note. My friend James Melzer, <sighs> talented guy, great, great guy, fellow podcaster, writer, I mean, all around fantastic human being. Well, he's having some really, really bad uh, issues getting into the United States to get married, which is going to happen here pretty soon. Uh, He is a Canadian, and he's getting his visa and everything to get married, and it is a hugely expensive process. He just lost his job, so now uh, he doesn't know what he's going to do. He's literally kind of at rock bottom right now, like he has nothing. So... He's put an, uh, another uh, donate thing on his website at jamesmelzer.net. I want everybody to go there. And I'll tell you what, if you're going to donate to anybody this year, anybody at all, donate to James. Uh, because uh, this is this is a huge deal. Uh, the man's got him down here. And uh, this is where we should all pull together and really, really help this guy out. So like I said, please go to jamesmelzer.net and help him out however you can. I would really, really appreciate that. But on a lighter note... I also want you to do me a favor and go to Corpse Collective at CorpseCollective.com. A whole bunch of great writers, great all-around people posting things on the website. Mike from Cadaver Lab and Steve Wands and Vaughn from Motion Picture Massacre and uh, Keith Latch, uh, Sean from Angry Gnome. A whole bunch of people. And uh, they're posting really, really cool stuff uh keith actually just posted a really really cool article the other day um steve wands was uh, posting some flash fiction it's it's just great so check it out there's always new stuff going on over there corpsecollective.com oh all right i'm gonna do a surprise book review right here right now real quick i mean not real real quick but uh fairly quick (laughs) Uh, you know my friend robert r best rob is a fantastic guy Um, he wrote Lakewood Memorial. I read it last year and I absolutely loved it. And I recommend that you read it. And it was part one of a trilogy. Part two, Ashton Memorial now is available for you to purchase. Oh, yes. I read this one, too, because I was selected as one of the special (laughs) pre-readers. Oh boy, aren't I special? (laughs) No, no, actually, um, you know, Rob's just a friend. So that was very, very cool of him. And I'm so glad because it is such an awesome book. Let me tell you all about it. Um, It is much bigger and more intense than the first book. I mean, the first book is great, but this one, he just takes it up in intensity to a whole new level. Uh, Rob just does the zombie thing with such skill and pacing. Uh, It is just nonstop. It's a roller coaster ride. You're really going to love it. I, I kept getting the feeling that I was like watching this big budget action movie in my head the whole time with zombies. Yeah, yeah, it was just that good. So go out and buy this. There's going to be a link in the show notes, midnightcory.com. It'll send you to Amazon where you can get this thing. And like I said, if you haven't read Lakewood Memorial, the first book in the series, you're going to want to do that first because it sets the whole scene. And it's a great book, too. So I'm not just saying all this because Rob's a great guy or my friend or anything like that. You know, he is. But uh, that's not why I'm saying this. This is a seriously fantastic book. Great writing, great storytelling. And I can't wait for the third one, man. Oh, cannot wait for the third one. Great job, Rob. This is a fantastic book. Okay, other stuff that I will be talking about sometime during this show. I will be doing the very first ever music video review. I've never done one of those before. I don't think I've talked about music videos, but never did a review. Um, But uh, this one's cool. It's called Lose Control by the band Keep You Honest. And um, the guy sent me a link to this, the guy that made it. And uh, it's a music video for this song, but it also stands alone by itself as a great little piece of filmmaking. So I'll tell you all about that. And as far as movies that I'm gonna talk about, uh, first of all, I wanna talk about a movie that was sent in to me called KG, The Ultimate Gambler from 2009. Now, it's not really a horror movie, but it is really, really cool. Uh, Just came out this past week. And I want to tell you about that. Also, we're going back to 1936 with Boris Karloff in his second zombie movie, The Walking Dead. And that's if you don't count Frankenstein as as a zombie movie or The Mummy. (laughs) If you you think those things are zombies, then, uh, you know, this is his fourth zombie movie or whatever. But uh, no, The Walking Dead, uh, 1936. uh, Very, very interesting. Uh, Was it better than The Ghoul? We'll, we'll have to see. And and speaking of the ghoul, I did get my DVD in this week, uh, which is really great. Uh, I haven't been able to watch it yet, but uh, I will do that. And I'll, I'll do kind of an updated review on that because, you know, I, I think I just really needed to see a, a decent picture and sound to, to give a fair evaluation. I, I rated that one pretty low. But uh, yeah, this week, The Walking Dead from 1936. No relation, like I said, whatsoever to the current Walking Dead comic book and TV series. Nothing <laughs> No similarity at all. Although it would be really cool if Boris Karloff could be in uh, The Walking Dead TV show. Yeah, yeah. He he, he could be a real zombie. You know, bring him back from the dead. Let's dig him up and bring him back. (laughs) Unless he was cremated. I have no idea, really. Oh, but anyhow, other stuff. Uh, No review of beers this week. Uh, The only beer uh, that I had other than, uh, you know, the dogfish head that we all know and love is kind of had an old favorite of mine. It was Red Stripe imported from jamaica oh yeah yeah it's uh just a great beer you know it's kind of light it's only four point some percent alcohol and it's a lager and uh you know i I don't know what it is it's a great social beer i had it at this this fancy dinner party that i was at and they were serving it and uh it was just it was just really really good um i don't know if, if some of it's because i just like the shape of the bottle you know the really really short neck it's just cool Or, uh, you know, maybe it's the commercials. Red Stripe has great TV commercials. (laughs) But I don't know. But yeah, it's just a beer that I do enjoy a lot. The old Red Stripe. Uh, I got some voicemails that I'm going to play from some incredibly fantastic people. And more original music. Oh, yes, yes, yes. More things for your ears to bleed from. Now, I don't have any, like, real world news this week. Because I ran out of time or I was just lazy or something. I got this camera. I didn't want to do it. (laughs) But uh, this is really cool. Let me give you some news that we got from my friend Ertrov through the voicemail of death. Oh
1: my gosh. Have you seen the Comic-Con trailer for The Walking Dead? This is Ertrov, by the way. Just wanted to report in that um, the trailer for The Walking Dead TV series that was unveiled at Comic-Con is now on YouTube, I guess, some people snuck in video cameras and recorded it, and it looks awesome. It really looks accurate. I mean, it changed a few things, but still looks really comic accurate. And so I just, um, oh yeah, that was the other thing. On iTunes, there's a podcast, I don't know what it's called now, it's like Full Videos or something like that. Just search White Zombie and you'll find it in the podcast section. There's this podcast that has the full movies of White Zombie, um, King of the Zombies, Revolt of the Zombies, and even Night of the Living Dead, all for free. It's just in a podcast form, like a video podcast. Um, so yeah, I would definitely recommend that, especially because I paid $5 on iTunes in the movie section to get Night of the Living Dead, even though apparently you can just get it for free on there. So yeah, free Night of the Living Dead. I think one of the versions on iTunes even cost $10, and I've heard it's not as good. But anyway, I'm rambling, so yeah, do that. Um, can't wait for Midnight Night 11, and can't wait for The Walking Dead TV, so check out the trailer. See ya.
0: Ertrov, you are an incredibly wonderful person for sending that in. I really love that you're kind of phoning in these uh, news items, because they're things that I'm not always aware of, like this Walking Dead thing. I mean, that is so cool. Um, you, you All of you have to go click the link that I'll have in the show notes and watch this as soon as you can because, first of all, it's fantastic. And second of all, it's probably not going to be up there very long because somebody shot it in the theater with their camcorder and YouTube will probably pull it down or something. So, yeah, take advantage while you can. You could also just go to YouTube and do a search for it. Um, yeah, and find it. But that was, that was at Comic-Con. And, uh, yeah, a lot of cool stuff came out of Comic-Con this year, I guess. So... Yeah, what can you do? Uh, and did you hear that roar of applause at the end of the clip? I mean, that thing got oh this roar of, of clapping and cheering that was really, really cool. So I'm excited. It looks great. It does look like the comic book. I think, you know, in the filmmaking process, you got, uh, you know, the script and then the script goes to the storyboard stage and then, you know, you start shooting uh, and <laughs> it's like, I got to thinking that uh, people that make movies that are based on comic books kind of already have the storyboard made for them already and they can just kind of start shooting. (laughs) I know it's more complicated than that, but uh, you know, when you think about it and it looks like that's what old Frank Darabont here did with um, everybody else that was involved in making this. They just kind of took the comic book and said, okay, let's shoot this scene. (laughs) And they they went ahead. But no, it looks great. It looks great. So you got to go watch it. Also, yeah, the free movies on iTunes, uh, those are uh, most likely, the ones that you named are all public domain ones. Um, And yeah, you know, all of the uh, like the Mill Creek collections that you can find and the ones that are like 50 movie packs, 100 movie packs, those are all public domain movies and you can get them so cheap because they're free (laughs) and nobody owns the rights to them at all. Um, And that's what those are. That's why you can download them free on uh, on, uh, iTunes. And uh, YouTube actually has a great selection of uh, free public domain movies, too. And Night of the Living Dead is one of them. And yeah, so and uh, yeah, but I would urge you as far as night goes, um, if you're going to buy a copy of Night of the Living Dead, I would urge you to spend the 15 bucks and go get the 40th anniversary edition of Night of the Living Dead. It is absolutely phenomenal. It's the it's the best copy out there right now. It is crystal clear. The sound is really good. They cleaned it up and remastered it fantastic. So Ertrov, like like I said, man, thank you. Thank you for uh, calling those in. Now, something else I want to talk about here was sent to me by my friend James Cheatham. James Cheatham is a writer, He is also a guy. You send him your picture and for like 10 bucks, he'll zombify it. And uh, I uh, did that whole thing on the Midnight Podcast with him back in the day. And really, really cool. Good guy. Really good guy. So he sent this over. It's the 2010 International Cheatham Zombies Photo Cookie Model Search begins August 1st. Got a whole pile of links that you can check out in the show notes for this. And you're going to want to check this out. It's pretty cool. Born by a collaboration between Eric... M, I can't pronounce his last name, I'm sorry, of myphotocookie.com and dark fiction writer James Cheatham, zombie cookies are an original and delicious new concept in Halloween treats. Customers send a good clear head and shoulders photo, must be at least one megabyte, to James Cheatham, who transforms the subject into a creepy, colorful member of the wandering dead, The image is then transferred to fresh, tasty cookies, available in various flavors and colors by Eric M., owner of MyPhotoCookie.com, and shipped out in time for Halloween events. These one-of-a-kind delicacies are available for Halloween parties, haunted attractions, zombie walks, socials, and movie premieres. Beyond offering individual zombie cookies customized for the customer, Eric and James are holding their second annual zombie model search via online communities like MySpace and Facebook, the cookies have gathered quite the following, and in return, four people are given the chance of a lifetime simply by showing their support for the growing fad. From all the people officially infected over the year, Four of Cheatham's Zombies will be picked at random to become the 2010 Cheatham Zombies photo cookie designs, available to the general public should they not want to nibble on their own rotting images. They can even order a variety pack if preferred. After the cookies were featured in the Winnipeg Free Press last year, showcased at Comic-Con and the Minneapolis Crypticon, as well as various other media outlets, the 2010 Zombie Cookies are looking to expand their infection around the country. If you're interested in entering the contest, carrying the cookies in your store, featuring them in your publication or on your website, or see the possibility of a collaboration, feel free to contact James and Eric for more information or see the links. We're always interested in new collaboration or ideas that can help spread our yummy zombie delights. So thank you to Mr. Cheatham and to Mr. M... (laughs) I'm sorry. Um, But uh, yeah, yeah, that's really, really cool. So go check that out. Lots of links up on uh, Midnight Corey. And thanks to my friend McPierce from A Little Dead Podcast. Um, He sent me this article. McPierce is another great guy about sending me articles and links and a lot of cool stuff. Um, This, uh, it's, it's very different than anything I've ever seen before. Um, The headline is, International Relations Theorist Explains How to Handle Zombies. So this is the whole zombie outbreak scenario taken from the perspective of an international relations theorist. So this guy is smart. You know, we've had doctors and scientists debating this. But now, you know, uh, he's talking here about how the leaders of our world powers would react to a zombie outbreak uh, from, you know, a global perspective. And uh, it's a really interesting take on kind of the politics resulting from zombies. And um, the article quotes Daniel W. Dresner from Foreign Policy magazine. He has some really cool things. Uh, here are some quotes. How would the introduction of flesh-eating ghouls affect world politics? The realist answer is simple, if surprising. International relations would be largely unaffected. Although some would see in a zombie invasion a new existential threat to the human condition, realists would be unimpressed by the claim that zombies' arrival would lead to any radical change in human behavior. To them, a plague of the undead would merely echo older plagues, from the Black Death of the 14th century to the 1918 influenza pandemic. To paraphrase Thucydides, The real politic of zombies is that the strong will do what they can, and the weak must suffer, devouring by reanimated, ravenous corpses. The People's Republic of China could use the zombie threat to justify an occupation of Taiwan. Russia could use the same excuse to justify intervention in its near abroad. The United States would not be immune from the temptation to exploit the zombie threat as a strategic opportunity. How large would the army of the Cuban undead need to be to justify the deployment of the 82nd Airborne? The reduction of the zombie problem to one of many manageable threats, however, is quite likely. Most countries would kill most zombies most of the time. In the end, what I'm suggesting is that with careful planning and a consistent approach, the zombie threat can be managed. (laughs) Well, there's the end of the quote. That was Daniel W. Dresner. A uh, smart guy, and that's that's very interesting. Um, now, is that practical? I mean, in in the real world, could all this careful planning and consistent approach that you're talking about um, be something viable? Or, I, I, you know, would everybody just kind of fly into this uh, survival, you know, you know, fight or flight instinct? Um, that's interesting. But thank you, McPierce. That was a great, great article.
2: Corey, it's uh, Chris from CinemaCorp. Long time call. Uh, I'm really enjoying the new setup of the show. Um, I just wanted to call and uh, let you know that you got me hooked on Danzig. You reviewed his album on the last show, the the Death Red Sebe Off, and I picked that one up, and it got me hooked, so I started picking up his catalog, and Today I listened to the first and second albums, and man, they're they're amazing. I really enjoyed those first two albums. Um, I'm going to continue to listen to the other ones, but really the only
0: bandzig album
2: I've ever owned that I've bought uh, before this was Six 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 Satan's Child, and you know it had a couple of songs that I really liked, but uh, I wasn't really impressed with that album but um, hopefully uh, I like some of the other ones as well. Um, also, I wanted to bring up um, on episode three or four, uh, the, the section where you were calling everything a zombie, uh, that you were saying you were typing on your zombie and everything. I was at work, and man, I was just busting out laughing, and everyone thought I was crazy, but... Man, that like just your wit is amazing. Makes me laugh all the time, and a lot of people don't don't get your humor, but your core listeners definitely get your humor and appreciate, you know, how you can say whatever's on your mind. But um, I'll quit taking up your voicemail space, and I will talk to you later.
0: Hey, Chris, it's good to hear from you, man. Um, I'm still listening to Cinema Corpse, and everybody should be listening to the Cinema Corpse podcast. I think it's cinemacorpse.com. Very cool, very cool. I am so glad that you decided to go and pick up uh, Death Red Sebioff uh, after my review. That's actually very flattering that uh, you you value my opinion so much. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a great album. I'm glad you're enjoying it. And as far as Danzig's earlier stuff... Definitely one through uh, four are are very strong albums. Um, The EP, Thrall Demon Sweat Live, is fantastic. And then after that, it's a little hit or miss. I know they released some, like an unreleased recordings album that's pretty cool in there somewhere. But uh, once you get into the fifth album, which is uh, Black Acid Devil and then 666, 777, and uh, Circle of Snakes, it gets kind of weird. It's like, I think he was he was going off into other styles and exploring other styles of music. But uh, really, his strength is kind of the bluesy style that uh, he came back to in uh, Death Red. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, very cool. But uh, I, I think, you know, I just listened to the second album, Lucifuge, the other day. And uh, man, I forgot how great of an album that was. It's been a while since I've listened to that. So, yeah, I've been kind of going back in the Danzig archives, too. Um, and he also has those classical ones that are okay, the uh, Black Arias. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's kind of cool. But, uh, yeah, so I'm really glad about that. Um, <laughs> and I apologize that I made you laugh in the middle of work and everyone thinks you're nuts. <laughs> um, and thank you for kind of uh, understanding, at least, my my sense of humor because I say a lot of crazy things. I, I really do, especially on Twitter. I mean, I'm sure you've seen a lot of them, a lot of you guys have seen them. and it's like I'm only really ever you know 75 percent serious or half halfway serious. I mean, there's always always some kind of, of you know, kind of a nod and a wink or something like that going on. and uh, so <laughs> and you're right, you know, the cooler listeners will get it. We'll get it. And I know there are a lot of you out there and I do appreciate it. But, uh, Chris, dude, it was uh, fantastic hearing from you, man.
2: Antoine Dodson was sleeping on his sister's couch when he heard a scream from her bedroom. Seeing my sister, when I walked in, he had his hands around her neck. And I the first thing was to pull him off of her, and that's what I did. The attacker climbed on the ledge of Dodson's unit, slid the window open, went straight to Kelly Dodson's room, and crawled in beside her. And either you was a crackhead or you was high. you wanted some more dope. You did it for something, you know what I'm saying? It's just ain't because I'm pretty. I know that. Dodson's brother says he got a good look at the attacker's face. He was about 5'9", five, five, Coffee complexion. He had a low cut like a Caesar with some little waves in his head. Clean cut, very smooth face. Well... Obviously we have a rapist in Lincoln Park, he's climbing in your windows, he's snatching your people up, trying to rape them, so y'all need to hide your kids, hide your wife, and hide your husband because they're raping anybody out here. Are you serious, my boy? You, you left all your evidence. I got your t-shirt, I got your scent, I know how you look, I got you. I know what, I know what shoe size you wear, my boy, so you can run and hide or do whatever you want to, but I know you're in LP, my boy so we're gonna find you so your best bet is to stay out of my eyesight
0: all right there's a band called keep you honest it's this uh three-piece power pop band kinda and i'd never heard of them before but this guy sent me a link to this video that they did for their song lose control so this is up on youtube uh you can go watch it also i'll put a link up on the website um now this does actually what all good music videos i think should do and that's tell a story uh i think no matter what you're doing you should have some sort of beginning middle and end you know something to take the viewer on a little ride and uh, not just have a bunch of guys playing their instruments for the camera (laughs) that's cool sometimes i guess but i like to i like to watch a story too (laughs) and this video tells a story of a mother who's fleeing from an abusive relationship, taking her son along with her. They get in the car and they head down the road. And as they're going down the road, they find zombies. There are people down, people getting munched on, people getting attacked. And uh, they find some other people. Uh, She she gets out of the car to see if she can help, but accidentally locks her keys in the car. So she's got to go running through the woods, being chased after zombies. Um, one of the people that she's with uh, has already been bitten, and they're kind of changing. And uh, yeah, yeah, this is just a fun, fun thing. It's a, it's over five minutes long. Great video. Um, I gotta say, the the camera work was really, really good. Uh, uh, some really nice steady cam work. Um, great pacing. Good editing. The zombies look good. Uh, they're slow. They're not running zombies, which is which is a huge plus in my book. <laughs> The effects that they do are done really well. I I think it's just a great example of indie filmmaking done right. And like I said, it it works in and of itself as a nice little short film. So, yeah, you should go watch this. Um, The band is at keepyouhonest.com and you can get to the video that way. Um, I'll also put the link up to uh, the YouTube video. But very cool. Thank you, sir, for sending this over. And uh, I think everybody should go check this out.
3: 嘘
0: 甘えるやめろ
1: <笑>あ、<笑> Game.
0: KG, the ultimate gambler oh yeah this is a japanese movie uh, it was just released this week in the uk i think it was released before by somebody in japan but uh you can hardly get a hold of that one anymore so it's just been released in the uk this week um now this is an asian film it runs over two hours um japanese like i said and I did a whole big run back on the Midnight Podcast of Asian zombie films. And uh, the Asian films, I've found, are very hit or miss with me. You know, to me, a lot of the films that come out of the Far East, whenever uh, they're dealing with horror or, uh, you know, especially when they try to put some comedy in there, they're just way too over the top. And I, I understand that part of their culture. And I, I know, I, I get it, but I just think it's stupid a lot of the time. I just I just don't prefer it. But, you know, and then again, sometimes they put out movies that are over the top and kind of crazy, but uh, they just do it right. You know, kind of like Wild Zero. I love Wild Zero. But, um, you know, most of the time they come out stupid like, oh, I don't know, Tokyo Zombie. Or, <laughs> um, oh, there was another one. Um, the, the zombie Bangkok Crisis. What was that? SARS Wars. Yeah, that was really stupid, too. So anyhow, KG, The Ultimate Gambler. Uh, it, it's based on a manga. So again, I just wasn't sure about this. I'm like, well, I'll give it a shot. You know, it sounds kind of cool. Now, this is all about gambling. But it's it's not what you think. It's not your, your usual gambling like, you know, you would normally think of it, like poker, blackjack, roulette craps, all of that stuff. None of that. This is very unconventional, except for the very first one. Um, <laughs> um, but anyhow, we follow this 20-something kind of loser guy, kind of a slacker guy named KG. And uh, he's got this dead-end job at a convenience store. He can barely pay the rent. Uh, he's just pretty miserable because he just wants to make it, but he, he just, he doesn't know how he just can't do it. So one day, uh, he, he's frustrated about his situation. He's approached by some very intimidating debt collectors and they sit him down and proceed to tell him that he co-signed for a loan like years ago. He doesn't even remember this, but he has a signature and that the original borrower has defaulted on that loan. So now it goes to him. He's responsible for paying up. And there's like a debt of millions and millions of yen. So these guys, they look like, you know, gangsters, although they're not. But that's, you know, they're, they're coming across as kind of bullying here. And uh, they give them the option, though, of wiping the debt completely clean by just spending one night on a gambling cruise, And uh, so, of course, he takes them up on it. Of course, everybody would, you know, be stupid not to. So he gets there. The ship is full of people just like him. You know, people that are so deeply in debt. uh, They have no chance of ever paying it off. They're losers. They don't have good jobs or anything like that. And uh, they're organized into this gambling game. And basically, it's the most intense game of rock, paper, scissors that I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) And so they just keep playing this rock, paper, scissors game over and over again. And if you end up winning this game, then your debt is completely erased and you're set free. But if you lose, then they're taken underground and put into forced labor until they work off their debt, which like they all owe millions and millions. So basically for the rest of their lives, they're in forced labor underground. So there's a lot of intense drama going on there, but in the end, KG has to go underground. and they're just working long hours on some kind of enormous construction project, underground, uh, getting paid very little as they work off their debt. But then so that you know, they have a tiny tiny bit of money that they get and they can save up. But then at like every day or every it's every payday, I think, they come in with this huge cart of beer and alcohol and sweets and, and roast chicken and just delicious things. And so everybody wants to go and, and, and buy this because, hey, it's payday. Hey, we deserve this. Hey, we work hard. But they're charged just exorbitant, extremely high prices for all of these things. But they're like, oh, well, you know, we, we have to indulge every once in a while. We have to treat ourselves, you know, because of all the stress, blah, blah, blah. And they're just blowing all their money. So KG kind of realizes this. The only way out of this forced labor at all is if you take on the highly feared Brave Men Road. So KG ends up volunteering to try this out. So he and a group of guys have to take on Brave Men Road. So without giving too much of this away, they're just uh, they're subjected to this grueling test of strength and endurance and faith that leaves basically only one survivor, which is KG, But even as he thinks he's achieved victory, it's all taken away again because he's got to kind of confront these rich, powerful leaders of this whole scheme that's going on. And this movie is just full of twists and turns that really kept me on the edge of my seat. Uh, I was drawn in from the very beginning by the pacing, by the suspense. There is some great, great storytelling here. Um, the, The suspenseful moments are drawn out with superb artistry i mean these these scenes are pretty long in this movie all of them for you know over two hours there aren't really that many scenes considering the length they draw them out but they do not get boring at all this is fantastic um you have a great really oppressive atmosphere and they use lighting really well here accompanied by these stunning huge shots of elaborate sets and locations Uh, It really is a roller coaster ride. It is really a lot of fun. The good guy, KG, wins it all and then loses it all several times throughout the movie. Uh, He's just constantly teetering on the brink of of having freedom and riches or slavery and debt for the rest of his life or even death. Um, They they used such good sound in this movie and most notably silence. I mean, there were times in this movie where it just cut out completely and it was just visual and it was holding the moment and it was so good. Oh, it was so good. (laughs) Now, there was some CG. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Some computer generated graphics here. Uh, Blood at at one point, right at the beginning, I think was some CG. Very quick, but I noticed it. Um, There's this really, really cool coin rolling sequence where a guy drops a coin on the, on the street, and it rolls into the sewer and down the pipe, clear down to this underground place where all these guys are working. And uh, that's really cool. It's CG, but it, lo- it looked really, really great. And we had a lot of green screening, um, but overall, it was very, very well done. It was, I, I think, on that level, it was uh, better done than uh, Land of the Dead. Because if you remember, Land of the Dead had a ton of green screening, had a ton of CG But uh, I think this was done better than that, even though I think it was done pretty well in Land of the Dead. But most people won't even notice, so who cares? Anyhow, this movie is packed full of uh, different themes and uh, I think commentary on uh, different things. And the main one is obviously here consumerism. They're talking, you know, we get to a point in the movie, they're underground, these workers have no hope, they're getting paid pennies, pennies, nothing at all. But uh, they have this attitude of indulge yourself. Come on, you deserve it. You, you have to kick back every once in a while or you're going to get too stressed out. Come on, come on. And uh, some of the quotes in this movie, um, consumption is all they've got. Once they give in, they'll drown in it. The poor covet money, hoping to become king. But in doing so, merely strengthen the position of the king. It's a vicious cycle from which there's no escape. Oh, Yeah, yeah. And do I even need to talk more about this whole thing? You know, while, you know, we see this kind of thing, you know, this uh, just overabundance and really overdoing of consumerism all over the world. I think, you know, America obviously is notorious for this. We're just a consumer culture and we just overdo it grossly. You know, food, booze, drugs, entertainment, the Internet, games. uh, Yeah, man. We Americans just consume, consume, consume. And most of the time, we consume far beyond what we can actually afford or ever even hope to pay off. And uh, the scary thing is, I think we're blind to it. You know, I think you'll deny up and down that you're that way. But, you know, the joke's on you here. You you probably are and you can't see it. Um, And that's probably the way you're going to be your whole life. You know, it's a vicious cycle from which there is no escape. But, uh, you know, the American dream, you know, it's, it's, it's a dream of hope, a dream, a dream of making something of your life and everybody can be rich and famous and do whatever they want and be happy, blah, 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 all that stuff. And while I think that was a much purer ideal a long time ago, I think it's really just become distorted and fat and corrupt so, yeah, you're addicted to it and probably don't even know. <laughs> but you know who does know it? It's advertisers, the government, despite the fact that they're just as corrupt, but on a whole different level. So <laughs> there I go. There's my rant. But that's what this movie's saying right there. It is a big critique of consumer cultures. You know, that's what we have in America. Japan has it. They have it all, all over the world. I'm not just picking on Americans here, although I, I know I do that a lot. But, uh, you know, Hey, that, that's just the way it is. And they, that's a, really a big message they're pushing here. Also, greed. Oh, greed is a big thing and it plays into to the consumerism thing where once the people who have power are, you know, they're in control then, uh, you know, their greed is really what is driving all of this. They want to suck as much out of the little guy, out of the poor people as they can, you know. So there are several times in this movie where KG thinks, oh man, I just, you know, I just passed this thing and I'm getting like 200 million yen and uh, he's going to be rich. But then when he actually achieves it, they say, well... Uh, there's one thing. Here's this small print here, blah, 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 with all this interest, blah, 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 blah. And several times they're talking about just absorbent amounts of interest. And, you know, the small print. And he should have read it, but he didn't. And uh, so, yeah, greed plays a big role in this. Also, you know, I mentioned economic class. You know, we got the rich and the poor and the rich love watching the poor make a spectacle of themselves in their endeavors to win it big. You know, it's all just fun entertainment to them, no matter if they're getting hurt or dying or whatever. You know, the rich just like seeing the people struggle to do that. (laughs) And that's exactly what happens in this movie. And oh, we also have other things that are touched on, like promises and trust, belief, faith. All of that plays a role in this movie. This movie's deep. It really is. Uh, There's some great messages in it, and uh, this is some great filmmaking. It is a really a great treat to watch. So KG, the ultimate gambler, gets a nine out of ten from me. Like I said, it's not really horror, but nine out of ten, I give it nine. Uh, fantastic movie, full of artistry, suspense, and uh, I really encourage you uh, to pick this up if you can. Uh, like I said, it was just released in the UK by Four Digital Media. Um, but unfortunately, it's not available in North America yet. I'm sure it will be eventually. But uh, I think it's worth it to uh, go ahead and buy this UK DVD. It'll be a region two and watch it like on your computer or your region free DVD player. Um, but oh, watch out. It's subtitled. <laughs> oh, boy. But I don't like to read when I watch a movie. I don't like subtitles. I don't want to have to read. So okay, okay. Well that's that's fine. I, I can dig that, you know. So you can just keep pigging out at McDonald's and slamming down your Budweisers and, you know, keep on watching Survivor. You know, that that's clearly the better way to go.
4: Corey, my brother. This is Jeff Bromley who plays Bruno in the Italian zombie movie. Man, I am so glad that you are back on the air. I was really bummed when you went off and i'm ah, just thrilled that you're actually back on and podcasting again. Love listening to your show. Don't miss an episode. You know, I can't believe that Tom actually called me out. And part of the reason why I'm calling now is because I couldn't call immediately after. You know, I can't make it look like the only reason why I'm calling is because he called me out. And speaking of being called out, I heard that Tom read your short story and absolutely loved it. So I'm calling him out because I can't believe he hasn't called to tell you that yet. Keep up with the beer reviews. I love listening to them, and it always gives me something to look for the next time I go to the store. Hey, and even though I know the whole show isn't about zombies anymore, you're still touching base on it, and I love it. I also love the fact that you're hitting the universal horror theme, you know, Legosi, Tarloff, looking forward to your next episode. And love the sound bites from uh, from Ed Wood. That was great, man. Hey, and keep the music coming. I'm enjoying listening to it, man. I enjoy listening to the stuff that you do, all right? So I just wanted to give you a shout-out and tell you that I'm glad you're back on the air and hope to keep listening to you, all right? Take care. This is Jeff Brownlee, and I'm out.
0: Yes! Jeff Bromley from the Italian Zombie Movie Parts 1 and 2. This is, like, really, really cool because you actually called. <laughs> oh, man, that was great. Uh, yeah, I mean, Tom called everyone out, and you're the first one to actually step forward. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. And uh, I just appreciate that you took the time to call in and, and talk about the things that you like. I mean, that's that's really great. Uh, the beer views are fantastic. I, I don't take credit for most of them because that's brian in colorado i mean he's uh, much more of a beer connoisseur than i am but uh yeah you know I, I do what i can i do enjoy sampling a lot of different beers but uh dude fantastic i hope you call in again i really appreciate that you listen to the show and i really really hope to hear again from you soon
1: that night i thought you were my friend you took my life I'm gonna take it again.
0: Unless you got catbot in you, no one's gonna bring
3: you back this time. Come on!
2: You
1: can't kill me again.
3: Keep away from me, I tell you, or I'll plug you!
1: You can't use that gun.
3: Keep back! Keep back!
1: You can't escape what you've done.
3: There we are, I say! Keep back! Now, in 1936,
0: this is the same year. That we got Revolt of the Zombies, which was the uh, you know sequel or whatever to White Zombie, apparently. But we also got The Walking Dead, a Boris Karloff movie. Now this was this was actually a pretty big deal. This was Warner Brothers that made this a pretty big production for the time. Uh, it wasn't in the millions, but uh, I, I'm reading that the budget was around a quarter of a million for this. So in 1936, that was that was a lot of money. Um, And you can tell that the production values were a lot better, Um, you know, great picture quality, great camera work, sets and acting and lighting, all of that. But uh, like I said, this takes place in the 30s. And, uh, the way some of the people were talking, I was expecting like the three stooges to come barreling in at some point because <laughs> a lot of them, you know, ah, wise guy, see, you know, and <laughs> that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, it, it doesn't help that, um, I was just watching the three stooges and I saw that one where they're in the courtroom and, uh, of course at the beginning of the walking dead, we got things taking place in the courtroom. So I couldn't help but think of that. <laughs> So, it's basically kind of a a gangster movie, really. Kind of a crime movie, much more so than horror. Um, And a little background, this is directed by Michael Curtiz. And um, if you know him at all, he had a very successful relationship with Warner Brothers during the 30s and 40s. Um, He made other movies like Angels with Dirty Faces, uh, Casablanca, White Christmas... Um, Yeah, a lot of really, really big movies. I think uh, Yankee Doodle Dandy, so he had a lot of really successful movies under his belt. Uh, His style was much more focused on action and the visuals rather than on uh, really deep character development, and the same holds true here. Like I said, this stars Boris Karloff, and uh, it's Karloff being Karloff, so... What happens is that we have this group of gangsters, and they're actually corrupt lawyers and corrupt politicians and everything. They murder a judge for convicting one of their own. And they decide to frame John Elman, who's played by Karloff, who's this guy who just got out of jail himself. And uh, he's sentenced to the electric chair after this really, really terribly unfair trial. Um, Because, of course, like I said, the gangsters themselves are part of this corrupt legal system, so he really had no chance at all. So even when these eyewitnesses step forward at the last minute to save John from being wrongfully executed, the lawyers just kind of drag their feet. They intentionally take too much time to save him. So he's executed. And uh, uh, somehow a scientist brings him back to life. It's a whole, like, real big, almost Frankenstein-like scene that we have. And after he comes back, John's purpose is to see that the corrupt people who framed him are killed or put to death. So he has his revenge, and then he can finally return to rest. So, yeah, this movie's pretty good. I think the first thing you'll notice off the bat, and I, I just talked about this, but it's a cinematic style that is uh, much of a result of uh, Curtiz, the director. Um, we have things, we have classic scenes like the flipping calendar scene to kind of give you the message of passing time, you know. Um, the way he uses lighting, I love it. It's fantastic. In some scenes, it's actually amazing how much Karloff changes just by different lighting schemes. Like, uh, you know, in some scenes, Karloff is lit to appear docile and normal, and very evenly lit, and uh, not a bad-looking guy. But in other scenes, um, the lighting is used to bring out the creepy, ghoulish look that, that only Karloff could pull off so well. And uh, lighting is just really used very effectively here. And actually, I love the scene where John is—it's you know Karloff, and he's undead at this point. He's already come back, and he's sitting down playing the piano for this audience. And the gangsters that framed him are in the room as well. They're part of this audience. And Karloff is giving each one of them his look of death as he's playing the piano. And he just stares down each one. And as he's staring at them, you cut to a shot of the guy he's looking at. And the lighting changes on the men to reflect their growing fear and kind of their reaction to Karloff giving them the evil eye. It's really, really wonderful. It's great. And it's something that really don't see a whole lot of anymore. You know, good lighting that tells a story by itself, basically, is unfortunately a a dying art in a lot of filmmaking anymore. Um, Other things, a lot of uh, high contrast, you know, a, a lot of use of shadows to kind of shape things, you know, uses a lot of shapes, great sets, great blocking, the way the shots were set up, the camera movement, everything, you get a great sense of depth, And movement, it keeps everything really interesting. The camera angles, um, you know, it it does not resemble a stage play at all. Now, if you remember, White Zombie kind of got away from the stage play thing. And then Revolt of the Zombies just kind of, the whole thing did look like a stage play. And uh, this one, same year as Revolt of the Zombies, but it it looks like a a big movie. It looks good. I mentioned Frankenstein. You know, the mad scientist kind of element here, you know, makes me think more of Frankenstein than anything else, especially the bringing back to life scene. You know, he uses big bolts of electricity and stuff like that. And I just can't help thinking of Frankenstein. And I'm sure a lot of you out there also have this problem with Karloff. You know, let's face it, Karloff is Frankenstein. And no matter what other movies he's in, whatever role he's playing, you're going to think of Frankenstein just about every time you see him on screen. <laughs> Sometimes I look at The Mummy and I think Frankenstein. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but like I said, as far as horror goes, this kind of misses the mark. Um, There are some nice elements of, like, 1930s gangsters, and and of course Karloff's presence is awesome, as usual, but uh, there's nothing really scary about it. There's little or no violence, only like one little tiny trickle of blood for about two seconds towards the beginning. Um, The scariest parts of the movie are the ones that are just kind of creepy. They're not really scary, you know, where Karloff's kind of stalking the people that that framed him. It, it's That's pretty cool, but it's not frightening by any means. You know, and even though Karloff just naturally kind of had this great look for horror, uh, he didn't look undead or really gruesome at all. You know, kind of like he did in The Ghoul. He looked kind of gruesome when he came back in The Ghoul. You know, he just looks kind of normal in The Walking Dead. Uh, the only difference that we see in him from, you know, when he comes back, is that uh, he kind of walks slower, and he's got a little limp, and he he acts very distant. You know, kind of like he's senile, or he has Alzheimer's, or something like that. Um, he doesn't remember much at all, only like a few scattered things from his life, like he can remember to play the piano and things like that. But somehow, though, he does know who everybody responsible was for framing him. But the thing is, John um, doesn't even kill anyone directly during this movie. Uh, He uses his words and his presence to evoke like so much fear in whoever he's targeting that they kind of panic and they, they die almost, you know, seemingly accidentally. Like the first guy stumbles over a table and he's holding a gun and it goes off when he hits the floor and it kills him. And then the next guy is running from Karloff and he gets hit by a train and then at the end, the last two guys die by being in a car accident, you know? And I kind of expected more out of the kills, you know, or at least that last one. It was just a car accident, and they're they're dead. <laughs> and I wanted, I guess I, I was expecting more direct killing from Karloff, like he was going to strangle them or rip them apart or something, but no, that's not what happens. No, no violence, really, at all. Um, the movie actually ends up being more of kind of a morality tale than it does a horror story it's trying to teach you something so uh, yeah you know it is what it is um so all in all you know it's okay and but how is this movie significant in zombie movie history you know i'm trying to go through history and kind of learn how things developed and tell you how the zombie became what it is today and, and things like that so As with The Ghoul and Revolt of the Zombies, you know, the zombie character, the zombie creature was taken out of where it was born, which was the Caribbean, and transported to other locations. You know, we had Cambodia and Revolt of the Zombies. Uh, We had kind of an Egyptian kind of thing going on in The Ghoul. And now this is in the States, I think. So that whole exotic kind of fantasy aspect that we saw in White Zombie and in the original tales of the zombie uh, aren't really there. It kind of leaves the zombie as almost more of a ghost or kind of a generic monster. You know, it's kind of beginning to rob the zombie of its original mystique. So yeah, that's what we're seeing here. But, but, um, it's actually the first movie. The Walking Dead is the first movie to combine science and a spiritual aspect to the whole zombie thing, because science brought John back to life. However, his purpose after coming back is spiritually driven, okay? So, while, while he was alive and being framed, he had no idea really who the men were that framed him. But when he comes back, he just somehow knows who they are, and he, he gravitates to them and, and sees that they're killed. Um, and the thing is, he has to see to it that they're killed so that he can go back to rest too. So he'll finally die and go on to the afterlife. So the scientist, the whole time during the movie, is baffled by how John knows who to kill. And John keeps insisting that he doesn't know. He doesn't know, he can't remember anything. But he finally reveals a few things in the final seconds before he's laid to rest and dies for good at the end. He talks about God, the creator, being a jealous God and he talks about the light and heaven and and things on the other side of death that he got a glimpse of before he was sucked back into life to, to get his revenge. So there's a whole spiritual aspect there that we haven't seen before combined with the scientific aspect that maybe they would have pulled probably from Frankenstein. I think they, they ripped that whole thing off of Frankenstein for sure. And speaking of ripping off, um, a couple things here that I am looking at that uh, <laughs> I think they're... Well, not necessarily ripping off. Well, the one thing. Okay, yeah, they're kind of ripping this off. It's the eyes. There's a shot or two or I think, I think two or more of Karloff's eyes really close up as he's giving them kind of the evil stare. And the only thing I could think of was Lagosi's eyes from White Zombie. And then they, they kind of pasted them into Revolt of the Zombies. But uh, yeah, so the whole eye thing. And then it's Dr. Beaumont. Okay, Beaumont is the name of the mad scientist doctor in uh, The Walking Dead. And Beaumont was the name of one of the lead guys in White Zombie. He was the rich kind of European guy who invited the couple to come to his estate in Haiti and get married there. So, you know, the names are the same, we got the eyes the same, so I think that's much more than a coincidence. But all in all, uh, this is a cool movie to watch. You know, it comes from the, the whole 1930s horror era, which is just classic. Um, but don't watch it for the horror, obviously, but more for, like, the 1930s gangster atmosphere and the, the nice production values, and, most of all, Karloff. Karloff is is the best part of the movie, as usual. So, um, I'm gonna give this a 7 out of 10. But, uh, if you're a zombie fan or a horror fan and you're looking for that, then you're gonna be disappointed.
1: Hey, Corey, this is Ertrov. Um, just had a couple of suggestions I thought of. Um, I haven't listened to most, like, the couple of most recent episodes yet, so if you already thought of these, or sure. dummies and just ignore me. But, um, one suggestion I had was, um, since we've been reviewing horror movies and stuff, maybe reviewing The Human Centipede, because, I don't know, a lot of people thought that movie was weird, but I actually liked it. I thought it was good. So I'd suggest, you know, giving that one a viewing if you can find it. I think it's on YouTube still. But anyway, um has had that as a suggestion for a movie review and then my other suggestion was for another contest maybe doing eventually um doing a zombie art contest since you've done a writing one now so yeah that's just my two suggestions can't think of anything else much to say other than um yeah good luck with the next podcast i'll be downloading
0: you. ertrov yes, Human Centipede. That uh, is a movie that I will be reviewing. Um, now I know Misfit Boy and a bunch of people were talking about it back like a month or two ago, if, if not, uh, you know, farther back than that. And uh, Misfit Boy actually suggested that I watch it because he'd really like to hear my take on it. So um, I have it. But uh, I was talking with some other people and they were going to maybe send in a review for the podcast and I'm not sure that that's going to come through. I didn't announce it publicly or anything like that. It was just kind of friends I was talking to. So I was holding off doing the review for a while, but now um, I'm not sure that that's going to happen. So I'm just going to probably go ahead and do the review here as soon as possible. So yes, definitely a good call on that and expect a review here soon. And uh, yeah, another contest, um, zombie art. That, that's an interesting one. Uh, I'm going to wait here before I do another contest because I do have some stuff that I want to give away. And uh, we will be having another contest. So that is a great idea. So I'm going to keep that kind of on the burner. But, Ertrov, once again, great to hear from you, my friend.
3: If his palm reading would have said he'd be facing bankruptcy, he probably would have walked right out the door, but he didn't. And now he's trying to warn others. K2's Adam Gassimi spoke to the man who says a fortune teller took advantage of his mental distress and ruined his credit. This was going to be an ongoing process. Dracar Druella can still I remember suggest- meeting so Kathy Stevens. He says she told him she sensed a negative presence and was concerned for his well-being.
2: I just thought perhaps she would be helpful to me.
3: Druella says he paid a $265 initial fee, but it wasn't long after telling her he's Catholic that he says she wanted to buy a tabernacle, possibly similar to this one, directly from the Vatican to help him. The cost, a mere $22,000.
2: She would be able to use this tabernacle as somewhat of a conduit to help pull this out of me, take it into this tabernacle itself, and then through a series of spiritual exercises, release it.
3: Druella says in his mental state, he honestly thought Stevens was helping. He was so convinced he bought her a Hummer to reach remote areas for healing and eventually gave her large sums of money to help open a spiritual center. In all, roughly $150,000 from loans he couldn't afford that ruined his credit and has now bankrupted. An embarrassing situation, he says, that's worth sharing.
2: I want to make sure this doesn't happen to somebody else.
3: Stevens allegedly tried to recruit others to pay her the same way, at times in front of Druella, making him realize her pitch would prey on those desperately seeking guidance. So I just thought, wait a minute.
2: This is not legitimate. This is the same song and dance she used with me, and I thought it was for my particular situation.
3: We do want to stress Steven faces no charges tonight, even though she has been arrested for theft in the past and then released for lack of evidence. Her attorney told me that he would only answer our questions by email, and so far he has not gotten back to us. Portland police tell us that the investigation is ongoing and there could be an arrest around the corner. And there could, as well, be more victims. If you know anything about this case, call Portland Police. In Southeast Portland, Adam Gassimi, K2 News.
0: Well, another cover this week uh, in the music that I'm going to bring you. Uh, this, is, uh, this is another fun one. I don't know what to say about it. It's, uh, it's again, from kind of a genre that uh, I haven't really uh, covered yet here or played for you yet on the show and uh yeah just fun like i said so uh the most recent time i think i heard the original of this song was on the oh brother where art thou soundtrack and then of course during the movie and of course i'm talking about big rock candy mountain so did my own version of it why not here you go John. Well, everyone, it's the end of the old podcast here. Thank you very much for listening. Next week, another Karloff. This will be the last Karloff that uh, I'll be talking about uh, for now. But it's the third zombie movie that he made in the 1930s called The Man They Could Not Hang. And I'll tell you, the only place where I could find this son of a bitch <laughs> was in, uh, on YouTube. Actually, you can go watch it. It's in like 10 million parts or whatever. And, uh, yeah, so I couldn't find where to buy it, uh, where to do anything. It's a, so, I don't know. It's up on YouTube, The Man They Could Not Hang. So, I'll be reviewing some other stuff, too. I have an interesting movie, actually out of the uh, 60s, I believe, that uh, I'll be reviewing next week that was uh, just released. Um, let's see. Go to midnightcorey.com. That's where all this stuff lives and a whole bunch of links that I mentioned during the show here. You can get all that information at uh, midnightcory.com If you'd like to call the voicemail of death, it's 814-806-2828. You can hear me on my friend James Melzer's podcast Unleashed and please remember to go to jamesmelzer.net, um click on the the uh, donate and uh yeah, send a few bucks his way because uh my man needs it. So, definitely um, also, listen to Library of the Living Dead, although I have no idea no one's corresponded with me from library. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. <laughs> they keep putting out episodes, and uh, no one will email me back. <laughs> oh. Oh, I've been losing sleep. So, anyhow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's still a great podcast, and I love Dr. Poss and everything. You know that. So, yeah, yeah, that's all I got for you. Uh, I'm going to, you know, work on editing this and getting this out. But uh, I have this camera to play with, too. So I'll keep you updated on that. I want to make a movie. I want to make a movie. Maybe send me some ideas. What movie should I make? I don't know. Misfit Boy said I should make a documentary. I don't know. I'm going to quit rambling and babbling here. Thanks to everyone. And I'll talk to you again next week.